Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a very belated episode 22 of the HO Racing Today podcast with me, Chase Ellis, and my co-host, Adam Moneypenny, your home for all news and things HO Racing. Adam is off this week. I also want to say that I cannot believe it, but November 18th actually marked one year since we started the podcast, and uh, I really want to thank all of our listener base for helping us grow this thing. Uh, this wouldn't have had have been a success if not for you all, and especially for all the businesses that have reached out with sponsorship across the hobby. We're glad to support them and give them a little bit of publicity. And just thank you to everyone that uh, has offered requests and uh, reached out to actually guests and uh, um, actually said like, oh, I can put you in contact with this person. Uh, we all really appreciate it. Um, school has been actually very hectic, especially for me and Adam, and uh, especially with all this uh, pandemic going on in online format. Uh, it's been really eating at us both that we haven't made an episode in over two months. And my computer, frankly, has been overflowing with document ideas. And um, I'm actually, with uh, the requests that people have uh, uh, have uh, done with requesting people on the podcast, we've actually reached out, or in process of reaching out to a couple of those requests, and we hope to have them within the next month. Uh, we'd like to welcome a very special guest today, actually one whose Facebook page and YouTube channel have actually become a staple uh, within the hobby itself with weekly content, uh, Doug Napier of the T-Jet Club. Welcome to the podcast, Doug. Well, thank you, Chase. Uh, it's good to be here. <laughs> uh, we're going to get straight into it. Um, how did you first get into the hobby of HO racing? You know, um, thinking about that, it's it was probably 1973, 1974, Um you know, was, uh, as a young kid, I was probably eight years old, and I got a, uh, a car and a track for Christmas one time and did a little, um, you know, asking around and found out that there was a couple of tracks in my uh, in hometown. One of them was downtown. It was probably, you know, three or four miles away, but uh, I'd get on my bicycle, and uh, every Saturday morning, I'd, I'd pedal down to the place called, it was Toy Hobby Center, and they had a little basement down there, and they had a a tub track and a, and a drag strip there, and uh, that's where I cut my teeth. I'd get on my bicycle and throw a throw a car or two in a tackle box and, and go spend my days there. Mm-hmm. And you said they had both road racing and drag racing there, HOY? Yeah, yeah. And, right. and it was funny because the, 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 the track that they had, you know, this was back in the early 70s, uh, was a, a yellow tub track, and it's still in the area. Uh, one of the guys that's in our club owns it. Wow. Um, and then there's a, a, another version of that, the orange tub track. And uh, Carl, uh, who does the T-Jet Club with me, he owns that one. So we race on that one on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. But they also had the, the drag strip and and uh, the, the shutdown lane was everybody's jackets. You, you'd pile the jackets up at the end of the, uh, the drag strip and, and drive into them. So, you know, there wasn't much of a shutdown lane. So it was, a, it was you make sure that the jackets were in place. Otherwise, your car would end in pieces. Basically like the sand trap, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Trip, you have the sand <laughs> trap. Um, for those who don't know, uh, tub tracks have actually been uh, – were one of the first tracks made. Actually, they use um, – there's many different track types around the hobby, but uh, with plastic track, uh, with the tub tracks, they're made out of Aurora lock and joiner, which Aurora made them and put them uh, – lock and joiner in most of their track sets from the 60s and 70s. And these tub tracks were pretty much a tire – molded plastic table well, it was a wooden table on top of a plastic and there's a plastic piece that was molded to fit a track layout and you could fit a lock and joiner track layout in it so i've seen a couple of them i know harnished henry harnish is one of them i've actually seen them i've really wanted to race on a tub track for some time i've heard they're actually really nice to race on with they're done which any plastic track is really nice to race on if it's done uh, properly but um uh, getting on with it, uh, what's what was your favorite uh, chassis to race? You know, when I was growing up as a kid, um, it was it was AFX cars, of course. Um, it, when I was starting into it, I was a little past the the T jets. You know, that was a, into the you know the 60s and early 70s. But uh, you know, I was in the AFX um, non magnets usually, and then got into the magnets, and then kind of the G pluses later. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, so it was the AFX, but, you know, then I got out of the, the hobby for a long time. And, and when I got back into it a few years ago, I, I really took a liking to the, the T-Jets and especially the stock T-Jets. I, I mm-hmm. really enjoy putting those together because it, um, 
it, it's just a little bit for me it's a little funner to drive you got a little bit more reaction time and we've got a class that we run the stock t-jets with stock original aurora tires oh. and uh, and and there's a lot of sliding around and and it mm -hmm. actually teaches you throttle control mm -hmm. it teaches you how to drive them um, you can bump and bang off of everyone else Mm -hmm. And here recently, I just um, had a, a new track built for myself. I, right. uh, my, my background is in dirt racing and especially oval racing. And you don't find many um, oval tracks out there for uh, slot cars. You know, they're all road racing cars. Yeah. So I had one built and it's a 64th scale uh, quarter mile oval with six lanes. And it's, it's actually, I designed it so that it's got some... Uh, the corners they widen out a little bit to give you a little bit more room to slide so you're not bumping and banging <laughs> but when you come into the straightaway everything squeezes together and doesn't give you much room at all nice so um it's it's really fun to race those um, stock tire cars on that and i'm developing a new class um, for my track and calling it the the c stock class because when i was growing up uh, the local dirt track they had a a class and a c c class uh, the C-Class was just a stock class. The A-Stock yeah. um, kind of turned into what the late models are today. Ah, uh, right. So so the, the C-Class that I'm, I'm developing is a completely stock chassis, stock tires, but you can um, widen out the stance a little bit so that it's uh, an inch and five-sixteenths wide, which is like a fray block. Mm -hmm. So um, the, wow. the cars are a lot more stable but they they slide around pretty good so um, <laughs> we've been developing that i've got a, about a dozen cars that i've built now and it's and it's just a, a blast because when you get the stock cars you know they're all pretty much the same as far as speed goes so so there's a lot of side-by-side -side racing and uh, mm -hmm. and and you can bump and bang off of one another so mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I've always really uh, respected, especially uh, the guys that raced in the Aurora Grand Nationals. They had to deal with that, and yeah. I've tried it out on my home track, and it's not easy. I mean, you no, get frustrated not... pretty easily, yeah. but uh, it's there. It takes an art to drive them. Let me say, it takes yeah. a religious really art yeah. to drive them. Um, uh, how did the T-Jet, or actually uh, building on that question, I just thought of this question, but uh, what was your biggest cultural shock coming back to the hobby actually after so long? You know, probably the the biggest shock was was all the available um, aftermarket parts and and the tuning that you can do to these little cars. You know, mm -hmm. when when I was uh, you know I in the mid '80s I started dirt racing and then I got into sprint car racing and and stuff like that. So so car setup is real important. You know, you're always working on a car. You're always trying new things. Um, you know, from week to week, you're you're always trying to get better than you did the last week and and getting back into this hobby i was just surprised at, at how many available parts how many pieces to the car make a huge difference whether it's you know you know brushes and spring tension and and armature ohms and all this stuff so there's as many adjustments that you can do to these cars as there are to a big car when you're racing on a you know a dirt track you know all these little things make a huge difference so so I really had to do my homework just to figure out what all these things do and, and setups and stuff. And I'm still learning. It's a, it's mm -hmm. a, a constant um, process, I guess. Mm -hmm. You pretty much mean same thing with me. I mean, I pretty much learned something new every race about these cars, which same thing with you. I was surprised <clears throat> when I first came into the hobby, um, how much adjustments and versatility you can do. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, uh, how did the TJ club actually first get started? You know, it's, it's funny. When I get into something, I usually just dive in with both feet. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I like I said, I, I've my background is in dirt racing and mm -hmm. and I still get into a dirt race car. You know, from time to time, I've got a, a couple of friends who got cars and they'll put me in their sprint car every <laughs> once in a while. Um, but but I also um, do photography um, and I do interviews. I we have a, a local dirt track where we me and a couple of guys started a podcast and we've done over 100 episodes you know um i've got my a jewelry business and i also do jewelry based podcasts so it's when i get into something i usually you just just dive in and just um just you know it just it kind of takes on over my life so when i got into the 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 car racing the the slot cars 
um, it was the same thing. I just, you know, just dove in and I'm going, oh, I got to build cars. I got to modify bodies. I got to then then I went into um, making bodies. I actually um, modified a couple of plastic Hot Wheel cars and then had some molds made so that we could uh, do that. And then um, in my jewelry business, I also do a lot of CAD work. Nice. I got a 3D printer, so I I started designing bodies that I like to run. So I first designed a sprint car, and then I designed a late model and a modified and a, and a dirt street stock. All these cars that are the staple on every dirt track in in America. You know, they they race on a Saturday night, and those are usually the four classes of cars that they run. So I thought, you know what, I'm, I can't find many of them out there as far as T-Jet stuff. So I'm just going to make them. There you go. You know? And, and then as I'm going along, I'm, I'm going, you know, I wonder what happens if this part was like this or, or this was available. So I started designing and making parts, you know, with my 3d printer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, <laughs> eventually I, I have all these bodies and all these parts and, and it's like, you know what, people are, are really enjoying them. So I need a place to, to to store that stuff and make them available for other people. So so the first step was to um, open up a website. And so that's when I started uh, uh, tjetclub.com um, and then a Facebook page just to share some of the, the stuff that we're doing, the stories and, and the parts and pictures and all that stuff. Um, and then uh, uh, I got together with with uh, local member of the club, Carl Satterly, and um, he, he's been collecting all on since he was a kid, and he wow. hasn't stopped. So he's got thousands and thousands of cars and bodies and boxes of stuff he hasn't seen in 10 or 20 years. <laughs> and, you know, he says, I, I've got to start sorting this stuff because, um, you know, it's, it's not doing him any good. So I said, mm-hmm. well, let's, let's take it to the next step and, and have some live auctions on our Facebook page. Wow. And uh, so we did that and then we opened up a YouTube channel because we wanted to um, make available some of the, the, the tips and, and uh, videos and, and just have fun doing that. So it's kind of exploded into this mm-hmm. thing. So now we've got a website, we've got a Facebook page, we've got a YouTube channel um, and it's just kind of taken on a life of its own. So we're constantly thinking, what can we add to this just to, you know, um, help out other other people in the hobby, you know, I mm-hmm. guess whatever I, I do, I've always got this mentality. It's kind of like, uh, you know, what can I do to help you on your journey? What can I do to help you on your way to get to where you want to be? So um, any of the, the tools or, or information or anything that I have available to me, I, I'd like to get it out there. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like like giving without an agenda so that other people can can uh, better better themselves and the things that they enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of tapping into an unparalleled market with YouTube because I've, I mean, there are some out there. I mean, I know Terry, Terry, uh, excuse me, Terry Flynn of Hardy Creek has a YouTube channel. I know there's a couple of others. I know Slot Cart Crazy is one of them, Scott's AFX, and there's a few of them out there, but um, they're kind of, you have to, you have to dig around for them. And yeah. we, I, yeah. I've been tempted to start a YouTube channel. That's actually a future goal of mine with this podcast is to have a podcast YouTube channel to do live streams like that. But um, it's kind of hard when time is really – time is also one of the biggest enemies pretty much of everything. But um, I have been looking into that market, which it's a great market. It's an untapped one that we need to get into and yeah. just uh, reach out, especially to my generation. I mean I'm 19. I consider myself an early Gen Z. And we're very hard to get the attention of. And we just need to take advantage of, uh, especially YouTube is a big one. But um, I've had a couple of people reach out to me and how they're reach, they're doing stuff on TikTok and trying to get out to there. But if you know what TikTok is. but Yeah, yeah absolutely. The, we just need to reach out into new media just to keep this hobby going because that's one of my biggest worries is even though I'm in it, um, I don't know – because I want to carry the hobby an additional 50 years, but I'm not sure if, I mean, we can get the people. We just we just need to get them, the younger people, in to this hobby because it's a very rewarding one. But yeah, uh, I agree. Oh, yeah. Uh, how is your – I know the pandemic's been hard on all of us. Um, how, is, how have you adapted to it? Um, 
You know, um, we, we have a couple of, of our dedicated members who actually have taken the year off just to reduce the risk of spreading anything to their loved ones. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, you know, their their wives have maybe come down with something or, or a little bit more susceptible to um, some of the things going on. So they just decided, you know what, I'm just going to back off for, for a year and just, you know, kind of make sure that the uh, the, the risk is is reduced a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of us, you know, we just keep real safe. We keep our distance. Um, if we're feeling a little off or feeling a little bit under the weather in any way, we we definitely uh, stay away from the rest of the group. Um, uh, you know, masks and and all that stuff. We just we just watch what we're doing. We're um, you know just we know what's going on. We know mm-hmm. uh, the things to do to to avoid spreading. So we just keep doing that but we haven't let it um just kind of shut down the hobby because i mean uh, truthfully a lot of these guys they need this this is this is their escape you know it's their chance um for a few hours a week to be you know 12 and a half years old you know it's it's, when you when you pull your cars out and you pull your trigger you 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 lose all the stress all of the the -hmm. things that go on that, that occupy your time and your mind it's just it's gone you know you yep in fact in fact last week there was a, a member that showed up and, and he was when he showed up he was in a bad mood um, and things were going wrong and stuff mm-hmm. and he put his car on the track and in the first couple of laps you know you could tell he was you could feel the tension um but after that um he lightened up he started laughing started smiling and and all that stuff was just gone you know and that's 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 one of the reasons that that I enjoy it so much is because it's a it's it's an opportunity to just uh, escape life for for a few hours every week. Yep, and definitely. Um, we definitely make it important to make it fun uh, every Saturday night. And let me tell you, there's a lot of laughing every week. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. always going to be an inside joke or two every night. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's what I like about it, but. Um, do you have any future plans uh, for T-Jet Club? You know, we're we're going to do some live events. Um, you know, I like I, I mentioned earlier, I just built my my oval track, um, and it's not on the schedule for this year. I didn't want to pressure myself into making sure that it got up to speed, you know, to fit into the schedule. Mm-hmm. But we we'll probably do some live events, and nice. um, we're going to bring in um, different people from our club. You know, our club right now is is close to 20 people strong. And uh, we're just going to bring in different people and interview them. And, and then we're going to um, also do a lot of tutorial videos as far as, uh, you know, breaking down builds, um, making parts. I know one of the next things we're going to do uh, with Carl, he, he makes his own tires sometimes. So he's oh, going nice. to sit down and, and show us how he goes about, um, you know, making tires. Uh, uh, so, so we're going to, you know, use it as an education point going forward. Um, but still have a lot of fun. We're, oh, yeah. We got some we've got some real characters in the club, and <laughs> and and we'll actually bring them on and just uh, you know, let their freak flag fly. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, this is actually a pretty uh, good one here. But what is uh, what's the most rewarding part of the hobby for you? Uh, you know, that's a that's a tough question. One one of the things I've always enjoyed doing is I've always worked with my hands. You know, even when I was a little kid. Um, I would, I would take things apart, you know, try to figure out how they worked. And, mm-hmm. um, when I got into the, the jewelry making industry, when I was you know 18 years old, which is, you know, 30, 37, 38 years ago, mm-hmm. um, it just kind of dropped right into that. Cause it's constantly working with your hands, you're creating things, you're, it's, it's very tedious. And, and now I tell people that 38 years of jewelry has prepared me for, TJ club, you know, for, for working with slot cars and stuff, because now I can, um, I can modify parts. I can make my own parts, uh, and it's real tedious stuff. It's small stuff. It's, um, but I, uh, it's, it's, it fits well with what I like to do. So that's one of the rewarding things. The other, another one is just the friends and relationships that I've made over the past few years. You know, um, you look back and it was last last year, 2019, in August, when uh, Bob Beers was was making his tour across the nation. Yeah. He actually stopped in and, and spent the day with our local club, the, the Hosers. Um, and there was another guy that that stopped in 
Um, and he was the 1963 Aurora Grand National Champion. Harry Harnish. No, no, that Harry was uh, 62. 63 is uh, Ron Kolarik. Oh, Ron Kolarik, yeah. Excuse yeah. Me. yeah, he's actually from Rapid City, the, the, yeah. my hometown. So he cut his teeth on that little track in the basement that I was talking about earlier. <laughs> so, so when um, Bob Beers came into town, Ron came over and spent the day with us. And he probably hasn't raced a slot car in who knows how many years. But, um, you know, we, we set him up and we let him race with us. And, and he, you know, he was you know, 12 years old again. He, <laughs> he, he didn't miss a beat, you know, and he actually won a few lanes on the, on the tub track that we were racing on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, so, you know, stuff like that is just a, a joy. You know, from, from 1962 to 1968, they had the, the Ford Aurora Grand National Championship. Two of those champions came out of our hometown. And this, this wow. town is like less than 50,000 people. Jeez. You know, so, so you had uh, Ron Kolarik and then Jeff Davis. Yep. They, and they're both, you know, here in town. Um, and they grew up here. They cut their teeth in slot cars. And, and uh, you know, so, so there's a rich history and a rich heritage of slot car racing in this, in this small town in the yep. middle of nowhere, you know, mm-hmm. USA. So um, there's, uh, there's that. So, you know, it's just little rewards like that, but, mm-hmm. but uh, it's, you know, and it, and it continues to grow, you know, the stuff that we're building now with TJ club and, and the, the, the friends that we're constantly making and, and the new people that are coming into the sport all the time um, just make it so much more fun. We've got, you know, just three new members in our club this year. You know? Wow. So, so it's yeah, good. same thing with us. I mean, we've been growing exponentially actually since 2019, uh, we've had a few new people come in, a few new long-term members have come in, especially uh, Nathan Atwood in our club. I mean, great guy. He's a, a Gen X, but a really, really good guy. And just all just all different ages and just people coming in to the hobby and just, like, wanting to check it out. And we've had people come off. I mean, I know we had a race that we were hosting up in Hilliard, Ohio, and we, uh, we were racing uh, 12-volt Viper cars. And we just had a couple of uh, uh, a couple of Ron, Ron Lewis was hosting the race that night. We had a couple of neighbors come down, down of his, just wanted to check it out. Thought it was the coolest thing, and just uh, that's just what it need the sport needs and what the hobby needs is that people to really uh, get exposed to it and just see how fun it is and just uh, there's so many different things to it. And how just how rewarding and how uh, just how great the hobby is, and it's we need them desperately. So. Yeah, yeah. We've got a couple of the, the new guys in the club this year. They've uh, historically they've been um, Hot Wheels collectors, so they've got wow. you know thousands and thousands of dollars worth of Hot Wheels you know collection. Uh, we got them into this, and now they're unloading all their Hot Wheels so that they can buy <laughs> slot cars. You know. Yeah, oh yeah. And uh, don't get me wrong, Hot Wheels collecting can be fun, especially with the older models. Uh, but I mean, my my consensus has been I kind of want I like something that just you can actually like it it moves, it drives. Yeah. It's got a, it's got a purpose other than looking at it and putting it on a shelf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also kind of want I know um, I actually won't have wanted to highlight this since I considered you as a guest, but you You've kind of staged a little bit of a revolution in terms of refurbishing keyjet chassis, especially with the copper, because before uh, no one really did what you're doing now before. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's you know, kind of goes back to my my jewelry making, you know, a, a couple of years ago when I'm, I'm looking at these broken chassis and it's like, you know what, all I could if I could just find a, a piece of copper to, to replace that. So it's like, you know what, I'm just going to make my own. Mm-hmm. So I made pieces of, of copper to fix the broken ones. And I was doing that. And um, that was one of the services on tjetclub.com is, you know, send me. And when I first started it, it was funny because I'd say, you know, send me, um, mm-hmm. you know, two chassis. I'll, re- I'll repair one, send it back to you and I get to keep one, you know, so it was it was a trade. You know, send me four chassis, I'll repair two of them, send them to you. I get to keep two, you know, so so I built up the stockpile of, of all these repairable chassis. Um, yeah. And then um, Dash came out with making the copper available and Wizard came out with making the copper available. 
And, and I kind of look back and, and I go, I wonder if, if I wouldn't have done that, would they have seen that um, opening in the market that there was a, a huge need for this? Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, up until then, you, you couldn't find it. If, if, no. if you wanted to repair a chassis, you had to find maybe a burned up chassis that had good copper and you would replace them. And then still you'd have to find the rivets. You'd have to yep. find the tools to, to put the rivets into place. Um, and, uh, you know, that... So, so hopefully, yeah, like you said, hopefully it's a revolution that uh, that I helped to start. Yeah. Um, one of the thing, one of the things I'm going to do here soon, when I get a little bit more time, is I'm going to make some videos to 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 show exactly how I go about removing all the the old copper, cleaning the chassis, replacing the uh, um, the the new copper, um, what rivets I use, and then I'm going to make tools to to um, have available so that people can um, re-rivet their chassis. So, so it's mm-hmm. going to be a complete package from start to finish. Nice. Um, so, so, Very so nice. that'll be nice. Yeah. yeah. And I've noticed, um, especially with the fray and uh, the Ohio Cup, our event that we host up here in Ohio, uh, we voted just this year to allow replacement of copper because it's just it's very useful because like you said before that if you broke a brush arm then that, it was done like yeah. it was done. unless if you ripped yeah put it if you ripped the copper or under plating off of a donor car to replace it but like you said now with dash and wizard producing their own re- reproductions it's like oh it's no problem yeah. like if you um it's like I, I've always been uh, reused because I'm an engineer. I'm actually uh, re- uh, studying for industrial engineering and just improving industrial processes. And I've always wanted to improve something that or, or at least just I'm always have a knack for wanting to improve stuff and make it better. And I've always wondered because I've been turned on to this craft by many of the old uh, guard in the hobby, but armature winding has kind of gone the way of the dodo almost. And no one does it anymore. And I hate to see these 50-year-old motors when they – you know what happens when a motor goes bad. It goes to the 50-ohm on a pole, which is usually a sign of the wire burning in the loom or in the uh, winding of the pole. And it just gets thrown out. And I just I know millions of them were made. I know there's going to be people who are like, oh, there's going to be millions of them made, no doubt, no problem, just throw it out. And I'm like, no, it's like 50 years old. Like this thing, I don't want to see it, seen it thrown out. When you could just take the winding off and just, uh, if you know what you're doing, you can rewind it. But just the problem is that it's this. There's a lot of pitfalls with it. I've kind of noticed the past few year or past year or so of researching it. And just there's so many things you can do with the arm that would that are suspicious in regards. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of why it's kind of gone the way of the dodo. But just hearing how many guys used to rewind their arms back and like it was nothing. Like yeah. especially seeing pictures of them, like Joel Pennington is one of them. I mean his wines, oh my God, this beautiful rewind. Yeah, like a like a work of art. Yeah, like yeah. it takes a lot of time and effort to do that. But I don't know. It's always been in the back of my mind because I got tons of broken armatures back at home that I'm never I don't want to throw them out. But and that's that's kind of, you know, with with the chassis repair, you know, I never looked at it as far as, you know, um, upgrading a chassis, making it faster or something. But it's it's like, you know, what all these guys that have been in the the hobby for years, they've got a pile of broken um chassis hopefully a lot of them are just throwing them out when the copy copper was bad they just said you know what this is broken and they throw it out now it's like when when i am sitting down and repairing one of these chassis it's it's kind of like you know what i'm 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 breathing life back into this chassis that Mm -hmm. you know a a kid was racing 40 or 50 years ago and now this this chassis is going to get to see the track again you know and it might not be a race car but it'll be a piece of enjoyment that somebody can can mm-hmm. have a good time with. I mean, that's that, that's the whole purpose of this hobby is just to, you know, to to enjoy something um, with your friends and and yep. you know, you know, kind of make it better. So so when I'm working on these chassis and repairing them, and, and I, sometimes I get 50 or 100 of them at a time, and I you know I sit down and 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 fix them, but each one is like you know it, it brings a little bit of a smile to me. It's like you know what I'm I'm giving this one life again. You know. Mm-hmm. 
it's like giving it a second chance on life. Which, exactly. You know, yeah. so so it, when I'm doing it, it's never like, you know what, this is this is going to make this faster or better or free no. legal or anything like that. It's like, oh, no. no, it's 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 putting it on the track and, and um, giving it a purpose again. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, and this is uh, another, another really uh, question that I thought of. But what what is some advice you'd actually give to somebody just entering the hobby? You know, um, like I said, I, I've only been back in this hobby for a few years. And, and one of the, the best things that I did was um, I surrounded myself with people who were better than myself. You know, so it's kind of like I, you know, now I'm to the point where I, I, I find a mentor that I can learn from. Um, but also I find an equal, somebody who's, you know, I consider equal with me. So so it's kind of like competition. We, we kind of go back and forth and and uh, we we try and be better than that other person. Um, and then also you get to a certain point and then you, you have to be a mentor. You have to find yep. somebody getting first into the, the hobby and, and show them what you know, what you've, you've learned from some of these people you're surrounded with. So it's, you know, it's kind of a threefold um, uh, giving back to, you know, first you've got to find somebody that you can learn from, find somebody that you can compete with and then find somebody that you can dump into. So, so you're, um, another piece of advice is, is do a lot more listening and watching than talking. Mm -hmm. You know, the people that, that have been in this hobby for years, they, they are uh, just a fountain of information, you know? Oh yeah. Um, you know, uh, another thing that I like to do is, is never quit asking questions, mm -hmm. you know, of other people, you know, it's like, why do you do this? How do you fix that? You know, but also I never quit asking myself, what if? You know, what if I, I did this? What if I tried that? What if this changed? No. You know, and, and then like you say, you're you're uh, going to school to be an engineer. I'm kind of a jewelry engineer, so I, I, I'm really good at my, my CAD program. So I can create things that that fill that what if, you know, what if I did this or what if so I can sit down at the computer and make pieces and parts and then print them out on my my 3D printer, which the, the printer that I use is kind of a high dollar printer, but it's yep. also one of the um, the resins that I use is a is a nylon based impact resistant resin. So I can nice. use it to make my bodies. I, I can make my own idler gears. I make tires and wheels or not tires, but but make mm -hmm. wheels and, and yeah. all these, you know, I make guide pins, you know, stuff that, um, you know, like what if, you know, mm -hmm. there's one of the tracks that we race at that the the slot is a little bit wider than other tracks. So it's like, yep. what if I had a guide pin that was just a hair thicker so that it wouldn't, mm -hmm. you know, uh, so it's like, you know, I can make that, you know, yeah. So, so, yeah. And, and in our in our club, there's there's so so many people to, to learn from. You know, uh, one of the guys that I do the the T-Jet club with, Carl Satterley, who we do the the Monday night auctions on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, just he's he's forgotten more stuff than I'll ever know. You know, he's he's been in this hobby since childhood and he's never quit. Um, another guy, Bob Christman, I learned from him. He builds amazing fast cars and and just mm -hmm. has a a fun time. Um, Al Jorgensen as well. He he pours into um, all of these young guys um, and just shows them whatever he knows. Uh, Jim Holland is another racer. He's been to the fray a few times, but he's also a historian. He knows all of the history of the people in this area. You know the, these these two national champions, but also um, he he's his background is a, a reporter for the newspaper, so he's. He's uh, his default is to to collect stories and, and share that information, you know, and these are just some of the footprints that I try to walk in, you know, the yep. kind of the carriers of the torch is they, you know, because they've been around for a long time and they're the glue of our of our local club. Mm -hmm. And, you know, last there's a uh, just a dear friend. His name is Mike Pennell. Um, you know, yep. he's he's um, he came in. He's the one that got me to my first race. And, you know, wow. he 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 came a couple of weeks earlier than me and he had such a good time. He says, man, you've got to do this. And and he's been a, a sprint car, you know, a full size sprint car racer, you know, for for 30 plus years. Yeah. And he he puts me into one of his sprint cars at least once a year, you know, Jeez. and uh, and, you know, we've just got this this great um, friendship that's built over the years and. Um, so, so it's, it's guys like that, 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 uh, 
that help the hobby help us grow personally in it and and allow us to just have a really good time so so my advice is surround your pe- yourself with with people like this that mm. bring that bring that joy and and keep you on the edge of competition but also um help you to um see see the the romance in the hobby i guess mm-hmm. very nice uh, just wrap it up. Uh, do you have any questions uh, for us of any sort? Um, you know, it's you know you, you're you say you're, you're 19 years old and and that's amazing. Um, you know, the majority of the cars that we race, you know, especially in AFX and, and T jets <laughs> and stuff, are you know older than me. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, it's like how can we um, continue to make sure that there is a a uh, a pool of pieces and parts and tools and cars and stuff like that so the younger people coming in mm-hmm. can um get into the hobby without um learning how to rebuild a, a 50 year old car you know mm-hmm. they can go down to their hobby lobby or or their mm-hmm. um toy store and buy a car off a shelf and pull it out of the package and, and race it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do we, how do we get that to that next step there? Um, well, well, I know I actually mentioned earlier that the millennials and Gen Z, which I come from, we are very hard to get our, we're very hard to convince because like, we're very embroiled in our devices. We love video games. We love electronic devices. We watch trips, Twitch streams. Uh, we just, we, we, I admit it, some of us are time wasters and we, this, it's, that's one, one, uh, pitfall of the hobby is that actually, I mean, it actually involves physically like getting your hands dirty. And I understand some people are not like that, but there yeah. are, I bet there is a few people out there listening right now that love to get their hands on stuff, which I love tearing apart electronics as a kid. And the, when I first got into T-Jets in 2018, I was 17 years old, and uh, one of my dad's co-workers ran the, runs the Central Ohio uh, HO Racing Association, or Myron Benner, as uh, you might have known him. But um, first race was stock T-Jets, which I'd only uh, – I had been in slot cars for maybe on and off my childhood. I had a Carrera Go 143rd set, a NASCAR set for a little while. Uh, ditched that and ended up when I was 10 years old found my dad's lifelike set from when he was a, when he was a teenager and this was the I think it was the 90s NASCAR set it was a Daytona USA set with Richard Petty and Kyle Petty lifelike model M cars mm-hmm. and that's what I cut my teeth on I mean I loved those lifelike M cars how fast they were they stuck and just it not that they were like simple to drive because they were not, but um, it pretty much I knew then and there that I actually really liked this stuff. And well, that's that's that only stood around for probably a few years and uh, we sold it. But just the thing is with the young generation is we really need which me and Nick Canan have uh, talked about it earlier on this podcast, but we need to reach out on these media platforms and really show these kids, which I know we had the idea for a Twitch live stream for the Hopper Nats, is that we stream it live on Twitch for just reach out to this young population and show them especially just how great this hobby really is. And I know with Auto World, the only store I've that's that's really the only uh, reproduction uh, box store brand that I can think of. That's HO is Auto World, and the only place where I've seen them at is a Hobby Lobby. And I don't think many people my age go to Hobby Lobbies very much. Yeah. So we, I know it's a big big step, and I know this hobby really really needs a revival. It really needs a, a golden age, and the only way to do that is if we get this, if we get many social media platforms, and if we get the store presence like it was in the 90s. If you you might remember that, like there was Lifelike, there was Tyco, and it was everywhere. Yeah. And just we need to really reach out 
to the young my generation that way because we i some of us are learners but some of us don't really want to invest and that's fine but we need to reach out to the kids that um that really especially because i'm i come from a stem school which engineering background there are many kids like me but many kids that love working with their hands they really um just fed up with all this virtual hobby stuff because that's almost what every almost what everyone's into now is virtual and with video games and all that but we we just really need to reach out via these social media platforms like we're doing now which that's why i'm doing this podcast is to really reach out to the younger population give them a sense of the history and just what these what we are all about and just how just how fun it is and how much fun people have and just like not what they're missing out on but what they could get into and like you could be like it's easy to get in here there's many people like you said having a mentor there's always someone willing to reach out and help someone along like i have that had that when i came in there were always guys that were willing to give me advice answer every question i had and to lend me equipment, which is one of the bigger things that I, I'm very grateful for, is that our club is very gracious in lending equipment, cars, controllers, whatever. And that really, uh, it's like, wow, like I could come here every week and I feel at home. I feel that I belong in this club. So just the, I know a lot of us, uh, the social, being social is kind of one of the more, uh, tedious processes but um it's it's a very rewarding hobby i mean i can't say that and i know i've said that many times on here but i'm not lying about it it's a very rewarding hobby and i'm very glad i got into it and it's really really nice and refreshing to see um i know you're not really familiar with uh hopper very much but it's very awesome to see in hopper that there's so many young Young guys like myself coming up. I mean, Nick Canans one, Phil Bequatra Jr., just the the young guys coming up and carrying on the torch is just what's needed. And especially with um, what me and Adam are doing here at Cahora. I mean, we and we have a couple others coming up. I know um, Myron's grandson Nolan. <laughs> he's already started racing at a. Uh, two, he was racing a car on the track at three or four years old. And yeah. he's he's getting up there, man. I mean, I know he's I think he's I believe he's six now, but he is really he really loves racing. And we really need to. That's that's the other thing we need to do is start these kids at a young age. And I'm seeing all the time on Facebook, which it's really nice to see that some of the young kids, they're really liking this. Like the granddaughter, the grandsons, granddaughters, daughters, sons are really liking this. Because their parents or grandparents do it, and uh, just to get that in there to hook them from the start is what we need to do. That's kind of what the companies did back in the day, probably with you when you were young. And just mm-hmm. which I know there's not many hobby sto- uh, mom and pop hobby stores anymore, but we need a way to branch out and hook, get these kids in this from the start. And I'm trying to think, but um just with five or six year olds man they 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 can be a hassle to advertise to but i mean you can do it i mean they're very easy to hook on something if you can hook them on cereal and toys legos on the on tv then we can do it with slot cars because it's and i I really really enjoy what what you and adam are doing you know with the podcast and stuff but you know, you know, ask yourself how many people of, of your generation listen to podcasts anymore. You know, so when you're you're doing this, you're you're preaching to guys that are already in the hobby that are um, my age. You know, we listen to podcasts, but you know, a lot of the the younger guys they don't listen to podcasts. They they yeah. go to to YouTube for information and they go yeah. to Twitch for entertainment. So figure out a way that you can take this sport to twitch you know and oh, yeah. you know my, my son he he sits and he'll watch you know twitch streams 
hours and hours and hours, you know, and just watching somebody have fun playing their video game. You know, why not have that available to people, um, you know, have have a Twitch stream, you know, a couple of yep. times a week where you're actually either building or racing um, and and kind of catch those people where where they are, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that would make huge jumps in um, bringing younger people because there's, there's a lot of young people who don't even know that this exists, no. you know, no. um, you know, and then use use the the podcast and the YouTube channel for um, to to advertise, you know, put free stuff out there. But in the end game, your focus is to get people there so that you can tell them about your Twitch stream. You know, yep. you know, and that's the way when I when I'm doing all my stuff. I've got about five or six different avenues, but in the end, it's all to get people to, you know, wherever, you know, tjclub.com or, or the, the auctions or something like that. So, so all of those things are, are tools to, to get people to the main idea. And then, mm-hmm. and I think with, with you, the main idea should be that Twitch stream, you know, cause yeah. that's oh, where, yeah. that's where people are. So you just got to figure out, wrap your heads around it, you and Adam saying, how can we, create an entertaining twitch stream that's going to introduce this hobby to a, a young generation again mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah and and funny you say that because i before all this pandemic stuff went down i actually was set to do a presentation for my composition class on the history of the thunder jet which i actually encompassed a just the history of the Thunderjet from its manufacturing in 63 to uh, 72 when they took it out of production. And mm-hmm. trust me, there was a lot of kids that were like, oh, my God, like this is actually really cool. And I, it sucks because I really wanted – my plan was to bring a couple of cars in that we race and to have kids pass around the car in a 9-volt battery and they can see how it works. And just – and I was showing some of my classmates some of the hopper classes. Like, you know how lightning fast they go. Oh, yeah. And just showing, oh, yeah, this is what I do uh, on Saturdays. They're like, holy crap. Like, how do they stay stuck like that? And just all these questions. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, my God, I didn't even know this exists. But this is, like, really cool and really entertaining to watch, which um, – but yeah, doing a Twitch stream, I I've always wanted to do that. I mean, since I'm I'm also guilty of watching Twitch streams for over a few hours, just have it on as background. But, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um, we I think the hobby definitely needs that as a Twitch account, especially with Hopra. Um, I know Hopra is right now trying to brainstorm new social media direction, and uh, me and Nick Hanan are really big aspects of it. And, and Roger Porcelli, too, with starting his YouTube channel. And really, we really need to get out to this young population and just show them how cool the hobby is. And I think Twitch, I mean, I know uh, it's a very big task, but we can do it. It's, yeah. not, it's not a never. But, um, yeah. And I think if you, if you do that and reach that younger audience and get more people in, introduced to that hobby – then I think what you're going to see is, you know, like we talked about earlier, there that copper pieces and parts weren't available until, you know, hopefully, you know, I was part of showing that there was a gap in, and and that was needed. Yep. You know, you get enough young people introduced to this hobby, and pretty soon Auto World, Dash, Viper, Viper's making chassis, Wizards making chassis. Eventually, they're going to see that that uh, younger generation and they're going to say you know what we need to to step up our um our way of getting these cars out into the hands of people and you yeah. might see that the the new aurora you know yeah you know these guys are going to step up if there's if there's a hole in the market they're going to fill that you know but right now there's not that huge hole in the market because the majority of the people who are, who are buying and building are you know 50 plus years old you know yep yep and and that is my ultimate, I mean, I've always joked about this, but it's a real dream of mine, which I know we run the Ohio Cup up here in Ohio, one of the premier T-Jet events in the country. And we've always, it's not really a joke anymore, but we've, I've always said that, oh man, my dream is to have spectator stands here and have them be packed yep. and just have an audience for this. And I know with Twitch, 
I've had so many different ideas for doing Twitch, especially with the Hop Road Nationals, because it's the premier HO event in the entire country. I know they're hosting it actually in Aurora, Ohio for June 2021. And me and Nick Canan have been trying to brainstorm a Twitch stream over five, all five days. And oh, just yeah. around to different events, uh, like, oh, there, here's the Gravity class, here's the Unlimited, and just set up a camera and just watch. But my, I hope that, I mean, I wish that we could do something with, like, leaderboards and showing, like, oh, yeah, this guy's in front and all that. But it's another, um, I would say it's just we have to uh, go over the basic task first before we get to that, just getting it on Twitch first. And we really need to do that. It's it's needed. This hobby deserves another golden age. Oh, absolutely. And I think you know the 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 culture is primed for that right now. I mean, there's there's kids that go and you know what? I I want to do more than play video games. I want something I can mm-hmm. wrap my head around, put my hands, you know. Um, so it's it's kind of I think we're in a good time for it. Definitely, definitely. Uh. Any more questions for me? I think that's it. Just if, if you need any, you know, I, I see your vision. If you need any help getting there, just reach out to me, man. I'd love to, right. to, to be involved in anything you guys are doing. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk with us. And uh, we all want to wish you a very best with your health. Stay safe and run, especially running the T-Jet Club. Um, I'm definitely going to put a link down in the description for anyone that wants to check uh, Doug out. Uh, he has a website, a YouTube channel every Monday night. He does live auctions, so you can maybe get score it, maybe score something on one of his auctions if you're careful enough. But uh, yeah, and every once in a while, a Tyco will slip under the under the door and, and make its way onto the <laughs> the uh, the auction. There you go. But uh, yeah, I'm getting ready to to go out, and and we're meeting up with the hosers, and we got a, a race going on here in another hour or so. So awesome. Best of luck to yeah, today we kick off T-Jet season, so it's a highlight yeah, of my day. Nice. All right. Thanks so much, Doug. All right. Well, thanks, Chase, and, and tell Adam I missed him and I uh, wish he could have been here. I will. All right. Take care. Take care. And we really want to thank Doug for taking time out of his day to talk about T-Jet Club and hosers and everything he's doing up there. Uh, we have provided a link for his website and YouTube channel down in the description below if you all want to check it out. Um, every Monday night, he holds a live auction. Uh, I think it varies between T-Jets and AFX is what I've seen mostly, and an occasional Tyco. Um, so be sure to check him out later. Um, as for Kohora, you all haven't really missed much. Uh, we're still in the middle of our fall and winter 2020 season. Uh, past two weeks, we've had race cancellations, uh, not due to COVID reasons, but for personal uh, reasons of our hosts. I know this week we were supposed to race at Myron's Washington Raceway here in Columbus, Ohio. To We were going to debut our 12-volt class, but with lifelike bodies. Um, unfortunately, Myron's wife, Penny, wasn't feeling very well uh, that day. Uh, she's actually been diagnosed with co- uh, COVID uh, pneumonia, is what it's called, and she wasn't really feeling too good. So really wish her the best with her recovery. And next week, we are supposed to race at Eddie's Full Bunny Raceway, which is December the 5th. Um, That is in uh, Whitehall, Ohio. And we still have not determined the class for that race. Um, I've heard murmurs that it might be a sportsman or a magnetraction date, but we are still not entirely sure. Uh, We also still have an open date on December the 12th. Uh, We don't know who's going to host that. No one has picked it up yet. So we're hoping that we'll get picked up. And the final race of the season, we will go to Hilliard to race on Ron's Road Trip Raceway to race our Mod T-Jet class. I'm going to go over the point standings here. Um, these may vary uh, due to attendance, and we have four drivers that actually failed post-race tech this year, which is an automatic five-point deduction, which our post-race tech, uh, depending on the class, we – Put the car through a metal tech block, which is a certain distance width, which I'm I cannot think of the width at this moment. But um, if the car doesn't fit completely through the tech block, then you're automatically deducted five points. Um, you can also be deducted points for uh, 
the wheel or the excuse me the tire height could that's what actually i got deducted on last season actually too high of a tire height or too excuse me too low of a tire height excuse me um and the other other test or not really test but inspection we do is the dome scale which i might explain now but it's basically a modified gram scale that we calibrated and we modified to measure the magnetic downforce of any ho car that we race which we can use it to test at viper cars we can use it to test mod t-jet cars which is what the scale is mostly used and hopra is also beginning to use it for their inline classes because uh their previous inspection process involved taking the magnets out of the car and it would be time consuming so they're moving to the dome scale but um so i'm going to go over the points here uh eddie ball in first with 129 points uh me i'm in second with 122 points charlie benson in third with 118 points he is one of the drivers with a five point deduction for technical or failing post-race tech uh nathan atwood in fourth with 114 points danny reinhardt in fifth with 80 points Ron Lewis in sixth with 79 points. Dale White in seventh with 73 points. Steve Rohill in eighth with 67 points, which he has a five-point deduction. And Curtis Taft in ninth with 61 points. He also has a five-point deduction for post-race tech failure. Um, Ryan Peoples in tenth with 49 points. Stuart Atwood in eleventh with 42 points. Howard Rosensig in 12th with 41 points with a five-point deduction. Uh, Rex Ball in 13th with 37 points. Fritz Heberling in 14th with 24 points. And rounding out the field, Chris White in 15th with 23 points. Our season's actually gone pretty well so far. Um, I know here in the state of Ohio, uh, before all of our uh, – guidelines got put in place we were actually doing pretty well abiding by the social distancing standard when pit when uh, uh pitting our cars because uh, we have a, a pit area separate to our track uh, we've social distanced that way and when we also depending on the host we wear ma- i wear a mask every time um i know depending on the host they require masks or they don't have to require masks or not but i always wear a mask um so this year we actually have it's the debut of the WizJet chassis, which is actually taking the HO world by storm right now. Uh, for those who don't know, the WizJet is a reproduction Aurora T-Jet chassis that is manufactured by Wizard High Performance. And we decided to make it legal in our mod T-Jet class only and impose a 6.0 downforce limit on our dome scale. And it's actually gone it's gone very well uh the last three mod jet races we've had whiz jets finish on the top three spots and then we also have seen significant results in our stock t-jet class which we have allowed a class called skinny cup to race with the stocks and only difference between the stock t-jets and the skinny cups is the stock t-jets you're only allowed you're not allowed a front end on a stock T-Jet, you're only allowed, well, it's not really stock stock, but we allow OS3 rims, and the the minimum tire height is 0.350 for min- rear tire height. And with this, what the skinny cups do is they come in with a front end that, well, we have allowed a nostalgia front end, which is what the class is inspired by, is the nostalgia class that uh, Ecor races, which is a club in Pennsylvania. But anyway, we allow nostalgia front ends on the skinny cups, and you are allowed to use a balanced and true armature and a resin body that is used on a mod jet. And a balanced and true armature, uh, a balanced armature is a more effective armature, which if armature would remain unbalanced, it would cause excessive vibration depending on the armature you get. But with any, because Aurora wasn't really too great with their specs, or uh, tolerances, I should say. And some some armatures are more unbalanced than others. So what we do is we balance it by taking weight out of each of the poles, and it leads to a more efficient armature that puts more uh, 
speed into the car. And if we true the armature, that is usually it's done with a lath or press. And what we do is we grind the armature into the uh, poles into a perfect circle, which there's three poles on a T-jet armature. And each of them, um, we curve, we put, chuck it in a lath and grind the edge of the poles until they're a complete, like perfect circle. And what this does is it prevents the armature from potentially hitting the wall of the chassis and potentially slowing it down, which again leads to a far more efficient armature. But it's kind of interesting because we decided to limit the voltage to around 18 volts. And what this did, which we originally ran them at 20, but we decided to lower them to 18 after seeing that skinny cups last year kind of had an advantage over the stock T-Jets. But we lowered it down to 18, and uh, we, with the exception of one race, the skinny cups have still finished at least in the top three positions. I know one race we had a stock T-Jet actually finish in the top three, but uh we have yet to decide if we want to split the skinny cup class or not, which I don't really care. Um, there's it. I know we don't want to have a lot of classes, which was kind of our goal here at Cohora, but um, I pretty much, which there is kind of a distinct advantage going on. We've discussed swapping the bodies because the stock T jets use an injection molded body and the, the, the skinny cups use a resin body, which is far more lighter and leads to a faster car. So we're debating swapping the, swapping the bodies over and seeing what happens, but these experiments have yet to be uh, executed. Um, I also explained earlier that we are set to race our new 12-volt uh, class, which we're using lifelike bodies which how we do this is the the Viper has molded body posts on the body. We cut these off and we use a lifelike clip, which leads to being able to, because with the lifelike clip, you can't put it over the body or chassis if the stock body posts are still in place. So we cut those off and we slip this uh, lifelike clip on, which which again allows you to use the lifelike bodies, either the the older lifelike bodies or the modern, which they both, the clip style never varied, so you can use older or newer lifelike bodies. Uh, we get this clip, I know I got mine from Hardened Creek Slots, which I also re really should check him out, uh, especially if you're needing lifelike or Tyco hop-up parts. He has a Terry has a lot of good products, a lot of good selection. And with the, he does a lot of manufacturers, actually, not just lifelike clips. He also manufactures uh, Tyco body clips. He also manufactures AFX body clips and Tomy body clips that can be used on the Viper chassis. So I'm going to put the link down below for this lifelike clip. If y'all want to experiment with it, if y'all out there have a Viper V1, and you want to experiment, it will require you to cut the body posts off of your Viper chassis. Um, don't be alarmed because you can actually get replacement body posts, the way nicer ones, some metal ones on the on Viper's website, which is actually where I got mine. But you'll need a 256 dr uh, drill, nah, not, not a drill bit, 256 tap in order to cut the threads if you want to put the metal body posts in after you uh, are done experimenting with your lifelike body. Um, and before we really sign off, I really want to make mention, I'm recording this on a Monday, and I was informed of very sad news um, across our hobby. I've raced with this guy before, but Joe Lozowski has passed away uh, earlier this morning. Um, I've raced with him twice at both Ohio Cups that I've started in in 2018 and 2019. Um, frankly, I'm shocked. Um, he was a really, really nice guy, and I'll never forget um, his sense of humor because he all made us laugh, I know, both times at the Ohio Cup. and um, We're really going to miss him, and we really wish um, his family well amid this rough time and uh, he'll always be in our thoughts and prayers so
just some really, really sad news. So uh, signing off with you guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, sorry, so, sorry for the uh, extended hiatus. Uh, me and Adam are going to try to get back on a recording schedule. I'm actually have a, I'm in contact, getting in contact with two guests, future guests, potential currently. And I'm hoping to uh, have a different recording schedule than we usually do. Um, usually we record Sunday morning, edit, then release. But I'm debating doing midday recordings since my school schedule is freeing up since I actually had a class complete before Thanksgiving break, which frees up plenty of time for either interviews or editing. So I'm going to look into midweek editing and maybe maybe you guys could get consistent episodes, but I'm going to work it out and see if I can do that because I really hate leaving you all in the dark. But um, thank you all for listening. See you later. See you. Bye.